This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Will Kane, S.E. Cup, R. Kane and Cup, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Good Saturday morning to you. I am Will Kane. I'm S.E. Cup. This is Kane and Cup. Excited to be hanging out with you again this morning. We got a big show from politics to celebrities, clothed and bare naked. All in the next three hours. That's happening? In studio. I I will have for you in studio, for you to see, all of you at home listening right now, there will be naked politicians and clothed celebrities in the next three hours. Reverse it. No, it doesn't matter. No one's going to see. I'll paint a visual picture for you. What do you want to talk about this morning, Essie? Um, Well, we've got some politics. It's time to talk a little raw politics. But also... I've got some news you can lose. Feel free to lose it. I'm going to tell you it, and then you can lose it right away. That's a wonderful tease. It's good, though. <laughs> These are the kinds of stories that people click on throughout the week, and then they forget about them, but that's okay. If that's you why missed, we revisit them at the end of the week to talk that's about why I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to tell you, in case you had a busy week and you didn't get to click on a lot of these stories, I'm going to fill you in. Um, also, have an interesting interview today with a would-be politician current reality star my favorite that's all i'm gonna say that's all i'm gonna say so yeah i wasn't lying to you celebrities politicians is he gonna be clothed or i don't know i you know i've seen if you've seen his reality show it's possible he's not clothed really yeah um that's all i'm gonna say that's coming up in the third hour but let's start this morning Looking ahead, oh, what, like a year and a half ahead almost, two years ahead, who will be the Republican nominee for president? Now, I'm not just doing that to suggest to you, oh, let's have this uh, never-ending, bottomless spiral of a debate, but, but it's in the news this week. And, and why is that? Because third time could be a charm for Mitt Romney. <laughs> could just be, could just be the time. I mean, it's it's in the news because Mitt Romney keeps talking about maybe running again. Frankly. And he keeps showing up at the top of the polls. That somewhere, yes, in some polls, he's campaigning for candidates around the country. Um, it's also coming up because we're coming on midterms, and what Republicans want to avoid this time around is having a great midterm season, and then failing ahead to the national election. We want to get all our ducks in a row. And I think the last time in 2010, we waited a little too long to make the shift from appealing to our base to talking to the center to get 2012, um, you know, the country excited for 2012 for, for Mitt Romney. And there were just too many guys in the field. There were too many guys in the field. Sometimes a primary can make a candidate stronger. I think that happened with Barack Obama in 2008. Sometimes a primary can weaken a candidate. I think that happened with Mitt Romney in 2012. Well, he was asked this week, or he wasn't asked, his wife Ann Romney was asked this week by Fox's Neil Cavuto whether or not Mitt Romney would consider running for a third time. Listen to what she said. One scenario out there, Mrs. Romney, is that uh, Jeb Bush doesn't run after all. And your husband has sized up the landscape, as have a lot of his supporters, past and present, said, You have the name recognition. Uh, You have the Reagan example of the third time was the charm for him. 
uh, and that it's been done before, mm -hmm. and, and that would be appealing. Well, we will see, won't we, Neil? I think Jeb probably will end up running myself. <laughs> That's not a no. No, we will see. And you know what's interesting about that? Uh, establishment money right now is behind Jeb Bush. What's interesting is that this seems to be an acknowledgement, both by Neil Cavuto and Ann Romney and probably lots of other people, that Mitt Romney would be the establishment candidate. There's no pretense of Mitt Romney running as a change candidate. There's no pretense of Mitt Romney um, running as anything other than GOP establishment candidate. I disagree with that. There's so many proxy debates we use to to place politicians into as representative of something. He's ideological. He's not ideological. He's pragmatic. He's principled. He's moderate. He's highly conservative. And we use these guys as caricatures, right, of these debates. And largely we use it to paint ourselves. I am principled. Therefore, I want a politician that's principled. Sometimes I think we superimpose these things on them um, falsely. Wait, what, and sorry, I, what do you disagree and, with? And, and, and I think establishment versus versus outsider is also over you're coloring with too bright of markers well i'm not coloring they're coloring they're they whatever they are they are positioning themselves as the establishment candidate well and what i'm saying to you sometimes we put these brand labels on people and we put these um easy simplified boiled down identifiers to have proxy debates not really debates about the human being and that's what I'm, I'm i'm trying to get to here is look uh peggy noonan wrote a book I think it probably was in the 1990s called, or it was, perhaps it was in about 2000, uh, when, when Character was King, and it was about Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And the implication of the title and much of the writing after that is about the quality of person that Ronald Reagan was, uh -huh. the character of the man. And after the 2012 election, I'd say six months after the election, in January, no, 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 more than that. So it was January of this past year, the documentary Mitt was released on Netflix. And you and I have discussed it. I think we've talked about it with the audience some. And that documentary to me was eye-opening. I saw a man of high character. That inside look into Mitt Romney and who he is and the way he reacted when both winning and losing a debate to Barack Obama, his analysis and calculation of his own flaws and the way he appeared to the public, the way he interacted with his family, I just saw a good human being. Now, you can say to me, Will, there's all kinds of good human beings out there. That doesn't mean they should be president. I'm telling you, as a starting point, that's not a bad place to begin our search. And if he runs for a third time, I know one thing about Mitt Romney that I don't necessarily know about Ted Cruz, that I don't necessarily know about Jeb Bush because they haven't revealed this to me. Mitt Romney is a good human being, and I'm open to the idea of him running again. Um, I, I, I agree. I'm open to it for other reasons. I'm, I'm open to it as well. It's interesting to read down some of the headlines uh, on this. Uh, New York Times, Romney in 2016, never say never. The American Prospect, might we have more Mitt Romney to kick around? New Republic, Romney is right about 2016. The GOP needs someone like him. That's from the New Republic. It's a sort of left-leaning magazine. That's not going to help Mitt Romney's cause. No, it's not. <laughs> Christian Science Monitor. Okay, who's trying to push Mitt Romney into the 2016 race? Um, according to that story, it's a circle of fundraisers. And again, I mean, this is why they position themselves as establishment. As establishment, because they've got establishment fundraisers. They've got infrastructure in place to run this race. 
Um, they've proven their checks don't bounce. That's important, too. Um, and he's got a lot of powerful friends who probably think, okay, the landscape's a little different. Let's try this again. Um, I thought it was interesting. Jonathan Last over at Weekly Standard put it this way. I don't know that he'd be the worst candidate in the world this time around. Not a rousing endorsement. <laughs> I mean, he's got this this uh, this brand, see, and you can hear it reflect in those headlines, of a loser, right? Because he has lost twice. And in that documentary, by the way, he says, you're never going to convince people yeah. that Dan Quayle is smart. <laughs> It's already been decided. Mm-hmm. And for Mitt Romney, he, in, in analyzing himself, says, I might be branded as the flip-flopping Mormon. Right. And I don't know if I can overcome that. He said, but I do know that once you lose, you have a big L painted on your forehead. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's everyone. That's everyone. I'm wondering what our audience thinks about Mitt Romney maybe running again. Here's, here's my take. I've said this before. Um, and you can call us at 888-900-3393. Or you can tweet us at SECUP, at Will Kane. Um you know, Mitt Romney, to me, is a great candidate. He's got a lot of things, character being one that you mentioned, that I would look for in a candidate, Republican or otherwise. I've long since abandoned the idea that a candidate has to be this kind of conservative to either win or be an effective president. Um, there's a lot of thing, things that go into that pot. And Mitt Romney's got a lot of them. He was a terrible 2012 candidate. Terrible for the time. We had just gotten over Occupy Wall Street. There's all this anti-banker angst. Um, You know, Republicans were railing against Obamacare, the thing that Romney created in Massachusetts. He's perceived very easily without doing a lot of work as a plutocrat at a time when we've had this 1% versus 99% argument fomenting in the country. I mean, he was like the absolute worst candidate for the time. The landscape might be different in 2016. I'm, I don't know for sure that it will be. But if it is, I think a lot of the problems with Mitt Romney go away. And Mitt Romney ends up being a more convincing candidate the, the third time around. I'm not ready to, to, to say yet whether that's the case. Because I, I don't know exactly where we're going to be economically. My guess is mm-hmm. that uh, many of our listeners, many in the audience, are tired of Mitt Romney. That's my guess. He lost once. But he, he lost twice. But he hasn't governed. We haven't seen him in action, right. aside from Massachusetts. I get being tired of the Bushes and the Clintons. We never got to see Mitt Romney as president. So uh, are we tired of him campaigning? Well, let's, uh, you asked the audience. I'd love to hear from them. 888-900-3393. And the truth is this. Um, it's not just simply a matter of whether or not you like Mitt Romney or not. But what is your what do you choose among limited options? Right. If it's Mitt Romney or Jeb Bush, who do you choose? If it's Mitt Romney or Rand Paul, who do you choose? That's how your choice comes to you in a multiple choice format. Not. But I would love to know who would you prefer to be in that? equation. Well, Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's not a limit. There aren't limited options. That might be our problem right now. I um, I have a sense that our problem is going to be too deep a bench where you want to be in a sweet spot for a national election is to have two or three really good candidates who everyone's focused on and who end up making each other stronger and beating each other out. Mm -hmm. Instead, what we had in 2012 and what we'll probably have again in 2016 are 10 
good to great candidates and a couple of truly terrible candidates who take up a lot of oxygen and are distractions for a while and we get really excited about them and then they implode and then we get really excited about someone else and they implode. And that's dangerous. That really eats through the primary system and takes up conservative momentum. And I have a feeling if I asked 10 Canaan Cup or Blaze listeners who they want for 2016, I'd get at least, I'd get 10 different answers. And I, I want to play this experiment because I can't believe over six years a leader has not emerged as the clear sort of front runner for 2016. We've had all of this momentum. It's been so good for Republicans. Who's the guy? Let's talk about that when we come back. I've, I've already taken this question to Twitter, so I have, I have some responses from you guys. It's amazing. Call us at 888-900-3393. Coming up on Kane and Cup. This is Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Cup, we like science. We're conducting an unofficial, unscientific poll. Scientific nonetheless. I want to know if I ask 10 Canaan Cup Blaze listeners who they like for 2016, if I'm going to get 10 different answers. Because I bet, I bet I will. I want you to call throughout the show, tweet me throughout the show, and let me know who you like for 2016. We've already got some calls on this. Uh, Mike in Kentucky, talk to me about Romney. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. That's good. I, I don't think that uh, Romney's a bad candidate. I think that he's a good man, like y'all were saying before. But yeah. I think that the issue is not the, the candidate. The issue is the tactics of the, the the Republican candidate. I mean, his biggest problem was the fact that they always try to play the high road. They don't play the game to win. They just play to participate and to be good sportsmen. And you know, with the tactics of the Democratic Party. In the last several elections, people are looking for someone who will win and can win. Yeah, he doesn't play and, dirty. That's true. I mean, they, the the idea of being a you know being down by seven points in the in the, in the last few minutes and simply saying, well, you know, we put forth a good effort and that and should, yeah, we, we stayed within our, our our playbook. Right. Doesn't do anything for somebody who's saying that I'm going to be the commander in chief. I'm going to take care of you and I'm going to do what the what the country needs. Real quick, Mike. We're looking for a leader. Well, right. real quick, Mike, so who, I mean, I would suggest to you Mitt Romney revealed himself to be a leader. Uh, unfortunately, it was in a documentary after the election. But if I said to you, and you only got a few seconds here, one tactic you'd like to see the Republican Party employ, what are you talking about? Give me an example of a tactic. Okay, com- combat lies with truth. I mean, I when certainly have, think they were trying some, to do that. When you, well, yeah, but when you have somebody stand up there and uh, nationally – uh, call you out as a liar in a debate, and you don't hammer it home right there. Stand up for your principles. If you have principles, let, let's see that, that fire in the belly. Yeah, I, I, I didn't understand. see a lot of fire. Mike, so real quick, who do you like for 2016 then? Um, I wouldn't have a problem with Ronnie, but I, I like Ted Cruz. All right. Let's Thanks, go Mike. to, uh, is it Daryl in Bedford, Ohio? Daryl, what do you think? Uh, good morning, miss. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm well, sir. Thank you. 
Good. Um, I was wondering why uh, Scott Walker's name isn't brought up more. He's uh, taken on the oh. unions and the Democratic like uh, <clears throat> strength in Wisconsin and made a lot of improvements. I like Scott Walker a lot. I bring him up. I bring him up alongside Mike Pence. I think both of those guys are are great. I also like I like the idea of governors running for president. I think Scott Walker's got a real chance. I think Scott Walker's name is in the mix, Daryl. I think right now, if we just did a quick rundown, you'd hear Scott wait, wait, Walker. Step, oh, step, step. You don't want me to give? Well, I have the rundown. <laughs> I have I have results. Oh, Are... I'll go through the rundown. But okay. Daryl, Daryl, you're I mean you're from Ohio. You're 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 somewhat close, I guess, in geography to to um to Scott Walker. Is there a second a second runner up you like? I, I like Mike Lee, but uh, I wonder if his uh, close association with Ted Cruz would turn off too many voters, too many center voters, just because Cruz is uh, viewed so far on the right. Can I tell you something, Daryl? I'm going to address both of your, your suggestions with one with one problem. I like both those guys. I've met both of those guys. We've interviewed both of those guys. That's right. Yeah. And talk to them behind the scenes. And if I had to pick my number one, I don't know if this isn't jumping your gun, Okay. my number one would be Mike Lee. How, really? However... Um, that's if one man's vote determined the outcome. Right. Scott Walker and Mike Lee suffer from the same thing. I like these guys. They don't have big personalities, big, magnetic, charming personalities. It's not a nice thing to say, but the truth sometimes hurts, and yeah. you have to have this sort of massively charismatic personality to attract be a superstar. the number of votes you Thanks, need. Thanks, Daryl. And that's the problem. That's why I can't believe... I think all of these guys, and I'll go through, I, I have an unofficial, some unofficial results right now, I'll go through. All of these guys spent the last couple of years carving out unique niches for themselves. I'm going to be the ex-conservative candidate, and I'm going to speak to these kinds of voters instead of appealing nationally. Now, I get the appeal of doing that. I get why they do that. And the only, frankly, the only two people who have spent time appealing nationally, I think, are Chris Christie and Jeb Bush. That has made them unpopular with the base so i don't know what the trick is if you can do both but i think i think you're right now i took to twitter and here's what i got so far i've got six for ted cruz one rubio two se cup just saying could have left that out one jeb one fred thomas uh thompson really huh one alan west one mitt romney one rick santorum two scott walkers one mike lee you know whose name is has not come up yet? Who? Rand Paul. Wow. Isn't that surprising, especially considering... With that massive sample size, yes. <laughs> well, I mean, that's a lot of names. Fred Thompson makes the list and Rand Paul doesn't, especially with this audience. Was that your scientific uh, rundown you were about to go through for me? This was the, the rundown. This was just off Twitter and phone calls. Right. Just in the past 15 minutes. Well, let's do this. Let's keep this poll open. Oh, yeah. I, the lines the are open. For the rest of the show. The lines are open, people. 888-900-3393. Tell me who you want for 2016. I'm taking a poll. There it is. I've placed my vet, my vote. You like Mike Lee. Senator Mike Lee. So I'll, who's I'll yours? Put, I'll put one more down for Mike Lee. Before we go to break, who's yours? Put yours down. Mine's Mike Pence. Mike Pence is your number one. I like Mike Pence. All right. Tell us who your number one is. And if it's not Mitt, I'd like to know why. Mm. Uh, but when we come back... Not people who want jobs, but people who are stepping away from jobs. Another politician, Attorney General Eric Holder, has stepped down. We'll talk about that when we come back on Cane and Cup. 
This is Kane and Cup, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Though this nation has proudly thought of itself as an ethnic melting pot, in things racial, we have always been, and we, I believe, continue to be, in too many ways, essentially a nation of cowards. Though race-related issues continue to occupy a significant portion of our political discussion, and though there remain many unresolved racial issues in this nation, we, average Americans, simply do not talk enough with each other about things racial. It is an issue that we have never been at ease with, and given our nation's history, this is in some ways understandable. And yet, if we are to make progress in this area, we must feel comfortable enough with one another and tolerant enough of each other to have frank conversations about the racial matters that continue to divide us. Let me tell you something. We are not a nation of cowards when it comes to race. That is Attorney General Eric Holder, who announced his resignation on Thursday of this last week. He will continue to hold that office until a successor is confirmed by the United States Senate. But Eric Holder has been one of the most controversial attorney generals, at least in, I would suggest, half a century. Modern history, for sure. He has made it an, a point to advance political policy and agenda through the Office of Law Enforcement, of the nation's chief law enforcement officer, to advance a political agenda. And that little clip we just played for you, where he characterizes America's race relationships as essentially a nation of cowards, could not be further from the truth. And for those that indulge in this idea that, that, that America is this completely unique, racially hierarchical structure of a society, I give you a world map and three darts. You can throw those darts wherever you want on that world map, and I will give you the span of 300 years of world history as well. And you will not hit any country, any nation on that map that has dealt more inclusively, more openly with race relations, relations than the United States of America. It's simply impossible. Other societies, race and racism is not an American phenomenon. We didn't invent it. We didn't pioneer it. We're not the, one, the champions of it. Almost every society has dealt with race tensions and continues to. The United States, if you look at, and this is not just simply Will Cain's punditry, there's statistical analysis of this and maps of this that show you science. countries, science as we like to <laughs> employ, science. that show you Society's racial inclusiveness, racial tolerance. The United States always scores in the top. Your enlightened countries of Europe, way more racist. Mm. You know, we're yeah, simply I think, not a race uh, I, I, nation of cowards. Well, I think President Obama hired Eric Holder to be his his less palatable proxy to have the conversations about race that President Obama didn't want to have, to do the kinds of things that President Obama couldn't do. To allow for, to allow President Obama to do things that he wanted to do without 
the the um, a- attorney general. He couldn't. Eric Holder was everything President Obama, I think, wanted to be. And, you know, for political reasons, couldn't. Or maybe because he doesn't have the courage of his own convictions to actually be the guy he wants to be. He had Eric Holder be that guy. And I think you have a list of the things, some of the worst, worst of Eric Holder that he did that I think channeled directly from Barack Obama to Eric Holder. Yeah, we have a top three list here. And I would suggest to you, I just gave you number one, which is championing this sort of racialization of not just law enforcement, not just the Justice Department, not just the administration, but really uh, an attempt to racialize, overly racialize the entire country and our and our posture towards each other. The argument isn't, by the way, that the United States is perfectly in racial harmony. No. And this is utopic uh, society of, of racial tolerance. But it's not the opposite that it's painted as either. Mm-hmm. A nation of KKK members and Black Panthers. Mm-hmm. That's not what the United States of America is. And so from the George Zimmerman trial and the involvement of the federal government in that, to the federal government's involvement in Ferguson, Missouri. Black the, Panther case. The issue of race driving yeah. this Justice Department, it's got to be on a list of, of Eric Holder's biggest um, – I don't know what the word is, Essie. Scandal, miscues, failures. failures. Total abuses of power. And failures. I mean, there are the obvious ones. Another one on your list is is Fast and Furious. Right. He was held in contempt of Congress for refusing to turn over documents. I think he's turned over 7,000 of 140,000 documents in that case. Refused to appoint special prosecutors for the IRS case. I mean, he has shirked his responsibility to do what an AG is supposed to do time and time again. Then there's uh, there's the AP case. God for if you're a journalist or a whistleblower, look out. Eric Holder was coming after you. Right. Eric Holder turned his guns and his power of authority on you, journalists and whistleblowers. How offensive should that be to the nation's conscience? Pretty bad. And then I think I think the worst has been Eric Holder's complicity in allowing President Obama to expand executive authority the way he did, whether that was on NSA spying, whether that was on extrajudicial killing, backing the president's attempts to override our civil liberties over and over and over again was either cronyism or nepotism or political, you know, um, favoritism or personal favors. I don't know what it was, but it was wrong. Well, let me tell you something. It was wrong. We have a list of four things here. And I just want to summarize them. You, you, you mentioned the expansion of executive authority, which reveals, if nothing less, hypocrisy. Because it's one of the biggest things President Obama ran on, reigning in executive authority, the imperial presidency of George W. Yeah. Bush. So, number one characteristic of the Justice Department, extremely hypocritical and willingness to bend to the simple concept of the power you serve. Let's only enhance this power. Not the. There's no ideology. There's no principle at stake. It's only my power as opposed to the power that preceded it. And bending to the whim of your friend. I mean, I, I see it as that as well. It's not just Eric Holder really likes expanding executive authorities. He also really likes Barack Obama. The AP scandal at its core is about thwarting the concept of a free flow of information, of... Yeah. Reigning in the press, essentially damaging the First Amendment of the United States. And by that same token, Fast and Furious then represents the complete stonewalling of any attempt at, again, one of the hallmarks supposedly of this administration, transparency. 
Yeah. Not to mention whatever criminality or conspiracy is behind it. Yeah. And finally, it is an, it, it, I think it is completely clear to say the Justice Department has damaged race relations in this country over the past six years. There's yeah. your Attorney General of the United States, Eric Holder's. That's what that's what his that's resume his says over the last yes. And we know he's very concerned about legacy. I would also throw in there Eric Holder's attempts, luckily failed attempts, to have uh civil trials for convicted terrorists. Civil trials. He was over overruled by both parties in Congress. Both parties ended up opposing this effort, luckily. Because it's absurd. Absurd. Okay. We have, over the past 45 minutes, SC, shoehorned into this conversation more political names than I have ever in a 45-minute conversation. I think all of them. From We just said all the political names. Mitt Romney to Eric Holder <laughs> and everyone in between. But we're not done because when That's we smart. come back, we have another politician. Yeah. This one, this politician yeah. has committed at least a murder. manslaughter. It's a murder. It's a murder. And there's a cover-up. This story that we're about to tell you in the next segment has everything. Literally, it has everything. When we come back on Kane and Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. So, as Will promised, we have a story of another politician who's definitely at least guilty of manslaughter. Let me just read you the New York Post well, headline. Well, manslaughter might not be exactly <laughs> You're right. right. You're right. You're right. I don't know that there's a term for this. Redenticide? Okay, don't give it away. Let me just read you the New York Post headline. Mayor de Blasio has groundhog blood on his hands. <laughs> that was the New York Post. Doing what only the New York Post can do. Redenticide. Rodenticide? Is that what we're calling this? So, groundhog in question. This story is amazing. The groundhog in question, whose name is Chuck... Oh, he's been named. He's in Staten Island at the Staten Island Zoo, which is a city zoo. He's basically the Punxsutawney Phil of New York City. (laughs) Okay. And on Groundhog Day, Mayor de Blasio, like many other mayors around the country. New York City. Held a Groundhog Day event where he did what you do. You hold up the groundhog, you see the shadow, et cetera, et cetera. Now, if you don't remember, this Groundhog Day... It was an accident. Mayor de Blasio dropped Chuck on his head. Wow. There was a collective gasp in the crowd. <gasps> Chuck was picked up. He looked okay. He's back in his cage. You can see video of this online. Time out. Everyone went about their business. Where? How high was he holding Chuck when he dropped him? Was he holding him above his head? Waist high. Waist high. Waist high. But Bill de Blasio's tall. freakishly tall. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I want you to know his waist is probably six feet. Right. <laughs> okay. He's freakishly tall. Now, 
on February 9th. What, uh, seven days after Groundhog Day? Groundhog Day is the second. Chuck is found dead from acute internal in- injuries consistent with a fall. Like Blunt the force one trauma. Scene. Blunt force internal injuries. Now, here's what happens next. Instead of coming clean about the death, the zoo, might I add, gets half of its $3.5 million in funding from the city told the staff to keep the mayor's office in the dark about the animal's fate. Assemblyman Matthew Titoni, Democrat, Staten Island. This should be good. I was told he died of old age, that he went to that big farm in the sky. If you want a ridiculous quote, Matthew by the Titone way, was on, duped. on any given subject, if you want a ridiculous quote, go to, go Staten to Island? a New York, No, just a New York <laughs> assemblyman. <laughs> That's so true. So they told... The zoo told people that the groundhog had died of natural causes. That's cover-up number one. Number one. The necropsy performed by the Satin Island Zoo veterinarian. Necropsy? Like an autopsy, sort of. What's the difference between an autopsy and a necropsy? Don't know. Is one on a gopher? Don't know. I mean, necro just means dead, so I don't know. I've never heard that term. I've heard autopsy. Necropsy, I think it's probably a sim- the same thing. Revealed sudden internal injuries, but the exact cause of the injuries could not be determined. I bet. Now, the second cover-up in this, notice I've been calling him Chuck. That's because that's what everyone calls this groundhog. He is not a he. He is a she. The groundhog's name is actually Charlotte. Oh, wow. This goes... I thought you were about to say they replaced Chuck and never told anybody, like a goldfish. <laughs> that is... That is cover-up number three, Will Kane. No, they really? Did. I jumped the story. They did that? They did. Oh. They replaced Chuck, hoping no one would be any the wiser. And they said that we have a rotating stable of groundhogs. So you're not even seeing the real groundhog Chuck when they talk about Chuck. Because they don't live this long. They don't live that long, frankly. Well, not when mayors drop them. In case you think no one could ever have thought up this story. This is actually, like, ripped from a Friends episode. Play the clip. There was a break-in a few months back. Inside job. Your monkey was taken, along with a snowy egret, a two-toed sloth, and three hooded sweatshirts from the zoo gift shop. Oh, my God, but the zoo told me my monkey was dead. The zoo. Do you believe everything the zoo tells you? <laughs> That's the only thing the zoo's ever told me. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, apparently, zoos cannot be trusted. (laughs) Zoos have a shady history of lying to people. When this story was pitched to me, (laughs) I did think it was de Blasio that was doing the cover-up. But it was being covered up on his behalf. On his behalf. And not necessarily... By zoo stoolies. (laughs) Not necessarily for his political benefit, but... For his feelings. Yeah. Like well, the, the yeah. conversation that I imagine was had at the zoo was, hey, uh, Chuck died. Who's Chuck? Chuck died? Who's Chuck? Yeah, who's Chuck? Charlotte. Oh, Char- Charlotte died? <laughs> yeah. But we, she was just at the ceremony. I know. Because de Blasio dropped her. He dropped her. Charlotte's dead. Oh, this is terrible. This is terrible. Well, we can't tell the mayor. I mean, he wouldn't be able to sleep at night. No, he couldn't live with himself. He killed Charlotte. He killed Charlotte. 
Well, also, we get a lot of money from the city. So maybe we should just say that he died of natural causes. Yeah. Don't tell him. Don't tell him. Don't tell anyone, in fact. Uh, the um, Brad, bring Benny in and put on Charlotte's name tag on Benny. <laughs> uh, yeah. In an interview with um, the AP, the zoo spokesperson, Brian Morris, gave a little more context on the series of events leading to Chuck's death. He said uh, that the groundhog drop, drop, groundhog drop by Mayor de Blasio was a complete bungle. So at least one person at the zoo might be shifting blame over to Mayor de Blasio. I'm not done investigating this story. I will go way deep. Why don't you call the zoo in our second hour? I might call the zoo. Call the zoo. I might call the zoo. Bring us up to date on our poll. Who do you want to see in 2016? We'll talk to you at the top of the hour. Cannon Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cobb. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to Cannon Cup. I'm Will Kane. I'm SC Cup. Groundhog investigator extraordinaire. SC Cup. <laughs> and you have enlisted an army of people who believe this is a worthy cause, including Mark in Maryland. Mm. Mark, what do you think about morning, this? Good morning, and Will. How are you doing today? Hey, buddy. We're good. Okay, I'll tell you what. Tell I us. think we should appoint a grand jury investigation. It smells of a Nixonian cover <laughs> to me. What I'm with you, you. This goes oh, deeper than just the upper echelons of the Staten Island Zoo. Definitely. This probably goes all the way to the mayor. About, we're talking about the de- the suspicious death yeah. of Charlotte slash Chuck. <laughs> That's right. And let me just tell you, there's more. I have more on that because um, zoo spokesperson Adam Morris. Uh, Adam Morris uh, says that the zoo actually has four potential chucks on hand at any given time. And whichever groundhog is the least grouchy on Groundhog Day, that's who they pull in to participate in the ceremony. Well, they say that they pick the least grouchy. They may try to cover up by saying, well, the groundhog fell asleep and slipped out of his hands. Or something suspicious like that. Well, and in fact, in fact, this Morris spokesperson said, listen, the animal was given a thorough medical examination in the hours after the incident and the checkup revealed no evidence of trauma or pain. The groundhog then participated in several events over the next week with no obvious ill effects. So we don't know how the animal suffered the injuries. We don't think it was from the fall. Now, according to the New York Post report citing, quote, insiders. The zoo doesn't make public that it has stand-in groundhogs to protect the groundhog brand. That's a quote. It sounds like there's a lot to investigate here, Mark. Oh, it smells like Limburger cheese to me. <laughs> I like it, Mark. Thanks for calling in. I'll be sure to uh, follow up on this story because something tells me there is more. There is more here. I'm going to get to the bottom of it. It doesn't feel like there's more right now. There's more. <laughs> I promise there's more. If there's more, I'll get to the bottom of it. All right. We've been taking an informal poll 
an informal scientific poll yep. throughout the show Science. on who you would like to see as your 2016 Republican presidential nominee. We've been taking calls, 888-900-3393. We've been fielding tweets, and SE has been compiling the results. I have the results. The results as they stand right now. Now, it's a deep bench. She's going to rattle off quite a few names. Mm -hmm. And the tally of the number of Kane and Cup listeners that have voted for each of the following potential candidates for president in 2016. Take it away, SE. So we've got um, one... Vote each for Romney, Santorum, Fred Thompson. One vote. One vote. Jeb Bush, Marco Rubio, and Bobby Jindal. One vote. One vote each. We've got two votes each for SE Cup. (laughs) How many do I have? Zero. Mm. Mike Pence, Alan West, Scott Walker. Two votes each. We've got four votes for Ben Carson and Mike Lee. We've got six votes. They came in late for Rand Paul. And the overwhelming favorite among Canaan Cup Blaze listeners is Ted Cruz with 15 votes. 15 second place, a distant second place, is six votes for Rand Paul? Correct. That is correct. That is correct. And this just proves my point, right? Um, Ted Cruz is out in front, but there's, I mean, 15 other names here. And this is just among one group of specific conservatives, right? There's lots of different kinds of conservatives. We're a big tent. I might get different answers if I polled Fox viewers. I might get different answers if I polled Reason Magazine subscribers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so this proves my point. We are a big tent. That's wonderful. I love celebrating our intellectual diversity. However, (laughs) at some point this becomes problematic. This becomes problematic when the attention is so divided. I don't think it's a problem yet. I think there's plenty of vetting left to do. We can't leave it to the last minute. Well, we, we can't because they're just going to destroy, destroy each other. A week ago tomorrow, Essie, there was a massive... Protest, a massive gathering here in New York City. It was called the People's Climate March. Oh, that sounds awful. It clogged the streets of New York. It polluted the streets of New York. Signs, garbage, to your point. There was, uh, in all seriousness, stories about the garbage left behind, the People's Climate March. Empty coffee cups, (gasps) Burger King wrappers and such. Animals! Signs of varying different causes, all tied under the idea of we must do something about climate change. What's interesting to me about this, whether or not you pull the results of that crowd from Leonardo DiCaprio to Bobby from Sacramento, you get, as to your presidential point, Essie, a hundred different responses if you move past one question. What's that question? If you move past one point, if you move past one religious devotion. What is it? That is that man is causing climate change, and that is science, you denier. Mm-hmm. And that is said with uh, a, a dripping, seething hatred akin to Holocaust denier, oh. you climate denier. Am I a climate denier? Oh, absolutely. Oh, okay. It's the only point, the only consensus that the crowd rallies around. Let me give you an example. Reason Magazine went to visit this crowd. And here's an example of the anger, the venom towards people that would disagree with them, 
play uh, a parade of progressive causes clip two. Now, would you like to see civil penalties or, I mean, Under criminal? Criminal penalties against corporate directors and, uh, and various other, anybody involved in fracking. Jambalaya, damn those climate change deniers. How can you ignore those droughts and fires? Jambalaya, damn those climate change deniers. That is the religious devotion right there. Damn those climate change deniers. And various other administrative people. What I'm telling (laughs) you, and I'm I'm, I'm dead serious now here. When you have these debates, it's interesting. The only point that the consensus rallies around is it's science. Man is causing climate change. Yeah. If you were to have a debate and ask them, okay, so what? Right? Just submit to that point. It's interesting to see the purpose drain out of their faces. Wait a minute. That's why I'm here. Because once you agree, then what do they do with their lives? Nothing. Right. That's my point. The consensus scatters. Mm-hmm. The solutions dissipate into the wind. Mm-hmm. You will hear criminal charges for corporations. And various other people. You will hear <laughs> down with capitalism. Mm-hmm. You will hear a little bit of cap and trade. You will hear mm-hmm. a variety of things. They quickly turn in on each other and on themselves because their purpose has been lost. The only point of the climate change movement is to win the debate of... Man is causing climate change. It is science. Why don't we just agree with them then? They need you. They need you to deny that point. Yeah. If you're not there, the purpose in their life is gone. Here's Reason Magazine again asking, okay, what do you want to do about it? Listen. Well, what do you want to see happen? Um, I want to see, well, in general, I want to see people coming together and raising their voices and being inspired to take action. So what do we do? <laughs> we, we understand that corporations have have to be reined in held on a leash to stop them from doing anything they want to the next insane idea solution is standing up fighting back right now bringing millions of people into resistance but building a movement for an actual revolution and a new society what do you want to happen a whole new society but do you want to frack do you want wind do you want solar we, we need we need green energy we need to bring forward green energy but that can only happen really under a new socialist society oh yeah. Well, here's what I heard. I heard one thing we, we have to do. We have to come together. You know what? You and I came together this morning. I got that on my list. Check. We have to understand. I got that into. I understand okay. stuff. Yep, yep. I feel like I understand stuff. Yep. Check. Three, stand up. I'm standing up right now. Yep. Yep. I just, I just got out of my chair. Check. And stand, four, stand over here next to me. We've come together. Okay, we've come together. We're standing and up. And we understand. I think we understand the issue here. It's about <laughs> those damn deniers. <laughs> and, we're, and, we're, and we're standing up. Fight back. I can fight. I can fight. The only fight thing back. I can't do is new society. I can't create a new society. You forgot corporations. You have oh, to remember yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, um, right, right, you need to remember to wrap in all the other uh, like tangential causes we're also for, and all the other enemies. You should say Citizens United whenever you can. By the way. Oh, and should I guns? Should I bring guns in? Yeah, that's a stretch. Okay, but stick with Citizens United. Corporations, criminal charges, fight back, stand up, unite, Socialism. understand. And if you really want to go all the way, socialism. Socialism. Okay. Well, we accomplished a lot in those five seconds for um, the cause for climate change. I'm serious. We just accomplished a lot on their checklist. By by giving them the premise that is the purpose of their life. Yeah. Man is causing climate change. Yeah. I am unconvinced of that fact, by the way, I see. I don't care. Right. 
if I confront one of these people, right. my first thing say, will be yes, this. You're right. You're right. Right. Because I want to see the purpose drain out of their faces and then ask, what do we do? And then what? Give me a prescription. It's a religious movement is the point in the end. It's not no, a real a political movement. No, that's a fascinating point. Yeah. It's not. It's nothing more than religious devotion to a fairly shallow point that becomes the purpose of someone's entire life. It's And I've seen people compare it to this. It's similar to the nuclear nonproliferation movement of the 1980s. Nukes are bad. Let's all mm. – it, 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 and the, it, the root is actually back in the 1960s of some sort of peace, mm-hmm. love, mm-hmm. hold your fingers up, mm-hmm. draw some posters. It's immoral. Stand up. Stand up. Stand up. Understand. Come together. It's a, it's amorphous. It's yeah. Mother Earth. But that's love, the mark understand. of a good. I mean, uh, if you're going to be a successful social mass movement, they will tell you whether it's in Rules for Radicals. Um, there there are a couple of other good works of scholarship on on the theories behind mass movements. They will tell you your objective has to be dissipated. If it's singular and easy to accomplish, then you accomplish it and your movement's over. You have to keep it nebulous and amorphous to keep it going. We've been having a climate change debate in this country, what, since the 60s? At least? I mean, good on them. This is a 50-year-old, a 50-year-old movement that has managed to last because they have yet to identify the exact prescription for what we do about it. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's unintentional. I think is what's so fascinating is how shallow the entire movement is to such a singular point that if granted, it's over for them. It becomes abstract. It becomes these weird buzz phrases you and I have been mocking. Stand up. And the only people that give any real answers are the ones that are complete lunatics Mm -hmm. who say, turn off all your clocks, your cell phones, and burn down the rich people's houses. Yes. That's how we do it. Roll this son of a bitch back to 1700. I think you need to start the conservatives for climate change movement that just... The, the only mission is to drain the lifeblood out of this group of people by acknowledging we'll get, we concede. We concede climate change is real and man is behind it. That's it. Now what? Now what? That's your slogan. Now what? Now what? All right. Since you're saying it, it would be Since now. I'm saying it. Now what? What? <laughs> Why would we want to do Why? this will be the question for me. Now <laughs> listeners. what? All right, let's take a quick break. You have some very important stories that we need to forget. News News you can lose. You're listening to Kane and Cobb on the Blaze Radio Network. I'm on the comeback trail. Several votes coming in for Will Kane for president. For president. I got one for um, Secretary of Cuteness. (laughs) (laughs) I want one of those two now, so bring it in. (laughs) Um, I've got some news you can lose. All right. Because it um, it was a busy week. There was a lot of news. And so some of the more important stories might have escaped your attention. And I'm not going to let that happen here at Cane and Cup. It's my job to tell you what's important. Story number one it involves PETA, who we've talked about today. PETA. We haven't talked about PETA on air. That was off air. I said, where's PETA on this groundhog thing? Oh, you're right. That was an off air conversation. 
We were wondering. Yo, where is PETA? Where is PETA on the ground on the rodenticide? The rodenticide committed in New York City by New York Mayor Bill de Blasio. Well, someone's got to pay. Can we get Pam Anderson on the line, Jose? She's PETA, right? Thank you. <laughs> Working on it. Um, de Blasio's probably over two with PETA. De Blasio. Oh, wait. No, de Blasio is for banning the horse carriages in Central Park. Liam Neeson's on the wrong side of PETA. Liam Neeson is on the wrong side of PETA. That's right. In case you weren't aware, I just want to tell Kane and Cup listeners. One of the most bizarre Hollywood to politics allegiances comes from Liam Neeson, who has attached himself to the horse carriage cause. Mm-hmm. He loves them. Mm-hmm. So weird. He will not be pivoted away from this subject. No, John Stewart tried really hard, right? To pivot him away from this subject. Couldn't do it. Let's get back to the horses. Why? Because Liam Neeson has a special set of skills. That's right. <laughs> Taken on a horse carriage. Uh, okay, back to the story. PETA has decided, as it is wont to do, to exploit a tragedy in the interest of pushing its vegan, vegetarian agenda. The tragedy, no joke, the tragedy is a Indiana man accused of murdering his ex-girlfriend and then eating parts of her body. Taking a bad turn. So that's the tragedy, a very serious story. Um... Accused of murdering her and abusing her corpse by eating parts of it. He was arrested on September 11th, arraigned on Monday. PETA has decided, well, we know what to do. Let's uh, encourage Clark County to provide him a diet free of animal products while in custody. To rid him of his desire for meat. Because that'll solve any problem. That will solve the, the this this issue. That makes sense. That's respectful of the gravity of this story. Let's use this as an opportunity to push veganism. Hmm. I feel like I'm not participating in the gravity when I ask this question, but okay. there were several stories. Interestingly, this past week, I noticed on what does what do humans taste like? Oh, uh, and someone said. Oh, because there was a flesh burger. That's Someone right. created a Someone flesh burger. Someone created a flesh burger to approximate the taste of human beings. Right. It's not human. It's not made from human No, flesh. it's a combination of pork, I believe, and maybe veal and a few <laughs> others to approximate what <sighs> humans taste like. Why? I saw that story this week. Why? Why? Uh, obviously, the family of the victim is rightfully upset. Right. They think that this was a cruel joke and really, really... Really insensitive. No surprise there. Okay, lose that news. Next news. Do you know Snapchat? I do know Snapchat. I mean, no, I don't know Snapchat. Which is it? Which is it, Will? I've heard of Snapchat. Are you a Snapchat user and you just don't want to admit to it? No, I don't use Snapchat. I'm not technology. I'm not a first adapter. I can attest. I can attest to that. Um, Snapchat, I don't, I don't know. I don't use it either. But apparently it's an app, a very popular app that a lot of young people are using you it basically sends photos to friends and then the photos disappear so they're not stored anywhere and i guess um this wasn't this wasn't developed for this purpose but i guess it is turned into kind of a sexting app now the founder of snapchat evan spiegel is being sued by two girls that he met while at stanford 
and he convinced their sisters, he convinced them to pose for photos to advertise for his new app. It was called Peekaboo at the time. It's now Snapchat. They posed for this app. They are now the faces of this app. But because the technology has been sort of changed um, and adapted, they are now associated with this sort of sexting technology and are referred to online as the Snapchat sluts. That's unfortunate. Yeah. So they're suing him. And I don't know. What's your real quick? What's your legal opinion? Do they have a case? Well, well, it's I think not his fault, right? It's not his fault. He didn't brand Snapchat as this. He didn't go after yeah. the sexting market. It evolved from users that it became that's how it was known right. and used. And they just got swept along with it. However, I yeah. do think he's ultimately responsible. I, I do think so. I think that they have a right not to be associated with that, even though they signed up for something in the beginning that ended up being well, in an ideal world, they would say, hey, Evan, could you take our picture off this? We don't like it. And he would say, sure, guys. Yeah, how integral are they to the whole concept? <laughs> I mean, why can't why can't people just behave rationally? I don't get it. I have some questions about celebrity nudes and sexting when we come back. Nudes. Kane and Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. Welcome back to Kenny Cup. I'm Will Kane along with SC Cup. We've got a running poll we've had going throughout the show on who you want to see as the 2016 Republican nominee for president. Interestingly, there are some names that haven't appeared whatsoever that have received zero votes. Call in throughout the show, 888-900-3393, or tweet us at Will Kane at SC Cup with who you would like to see as the Republican presidential nominee. But SC, whose name hasn't shown up yet? Well, we've got one addition first, and that's Gary Johnson. Gary Johnson has got been a added vote. to the list. That um, added to the list meaning he got a vote. He got a vote. Uh, a long list of people I'm surprised have not come up. Rick Perry? Nothing. Nothing. He's going to run for president. Yes. I'm, I agree. Yes. If I, I, I've had a conversation with him. He's told me as much. Yeah. Plans to run. New Gingrich? Nothing. Doesn't surprise me. It only surprises me because he was actually, like, pretty close last time. He, he was, like, moment. in the final three. He had a moment. Everybody had a moment, right? And his his moment was at the right time toward South the Carolina. end. Carolina, yeah. I mean, he had a moment. He was, like, in the final three. Paul Ryan, nothing. That really surprises me because um, I like him a lot. I think he's a pretty – he would be a pretty good candidate. And he was the VP nominee last time hey real quick on that you know i was speaking earlier in the show about mitt romney and the quality of his character and the documentary meant and what it revealed to me i've had the opportunity because of this job to meet some of these guys you have certainly met more than i have on a personal level and uh i would say uh more often than not come away pleased with the personality of the person i just met but you only see them in short windows yeah. And the quality of a politician, largely, is how important they can make you feel in the short window they give you. The longer they can make that window, the better the politician they are. The longer they can make the window, at some point you realize he's not being a politician, he's being genuine. He's actually a good guy. He's actually interested in me. Um, Paul Ryan, I only met recently, in the past couple months. He came on Real News, and I talked to him behind the scenes and at our table. 
and was so impressed mm-hmm. with who he is. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, you know, I didn't see a two-hour documentary on him that somebody spent six years with him, like mm-hmm. the Mint documentary. But in the time period I had with Paul Ryan, yeah. I just really liked the guy and found him uh, full of so much more personality than was ever revealed in a vice presidential run. Mm. I just I just came away like, wow, I, I like that guy, Paul Ryan. I just think he, again, I think that might be a good guy. Yeah, I think he was he was unfortunately muzzled during the campaign because he is so much more likable one-on-one uh, and if, even in a small group than I think most people saw during that campaign. I have spent some time with him one-on-one and in groups. I've interviewed him a number of times. I would, I would, I would say we're friendly. He's a, a fantastic guy. I mean, a really good person, interesting, a lot funnier than people, I think, realize um a little cooler than people would expect my my problem for him is that he reads a little young and i don't know in 2016 if people are gonna want to take a chance on another young president just real quick this isn't the topic we we intended to talk about but you know uh one of the reasons this isn't celebrity nudes <laughs> this isn't the celebrity nudes topic we were going to talk about which i'll get to in just one moment but another paul ryan story and just because I, I don't know, Essie, character is becoming so important to me. And it's like it's the place you start, you leave and pursue ideology, and you come back to character at some point. I read Paul Ryan's book. He has a book out, and he was going around talking about his book. And there's a portion in his book, and he and I talked about this behind the scenes because I had a similar experience in my life. But um, Paul Ryan's dad died when he was a teenager. Yeah. And unfortunately, Paul Ryan is the person – who found his father passed away. He was young, 16 years old, I believe, home, alone. Um, his dad's office called, said, where's your dad yet? We haven't seen him. He hasn't shown up for work. Um, and Paul said, I- I'll go check, and goes into the bedroom and finds that his dad had died yeah. uh, in his sleep. And not only that moment, you connect with him, you're like, wow, what a heavy, life-altering moment for a 16-year-old boy. And then you see that it actually was. And he talks about the necessity to become a man, to make the move from being a boy to a man. And it's just, uh, he and I talked about that uh, behind the scenes. And it's just, that's an experience that I know I can look at that guy and, and think, uh, I don't care what kind of, how boyish he looks. Yeah. He's a man. Oh, yeah. And he took responsibility more than most boys do yeah. at an earlier time. Yeah. I-, I hope that people get a chance to see that side of him. Over the next few years. He's got a long, long future. I wish more guys would do documentaries like Mitt. Yeah. I wish they would show who they are before they run. Yeah, because flaws and all, people are very forgiving. What they want is authenticity. They want to know who you are. And so, you know, exposing some flaws, I think, is ultimately a good thing. They want to be able to relate to you. And I think Mitt Romney was unrelatable. He seemed too perfect. He seemed too plastic. Mm -hmm. And he's not. He's a good guy. I hope people get to know Paul Ryan. He's wonderful. Some other names that didn't make the list, Sarah Palin, Tim Pawlenty, uh, John Kasich, Mitch Daniels, John Thune. No votes so far from our unscientific scientific poll. The biggest surprises for me there are Rick Perry and Paul Ryan because they've already been on the stage, and uh, yeah. there's a good chance they'll be on the stage again. 888-900-3393. Uh, keep giving us your votes. Pivot now hmm. to this. <laughs> the celebrity nude hacking scandal is still going on. There are still releases almost on a daily basis and a staggering amount of releases of 
celebrities who've had their phones, their iClouds hacked, and apparently have been taking nude photos of themselves. I'm fascinated by this on many levels. I'm fascinated by this by the fact that there are so many people taking so many nude photos, and I cannot wrap my mind around why. Why? Why? As I scroll through these sites. Why? To get you to look at them. No. These are private photos. Now, there's a few out there that all of a sudden when you see the names of celebrity photos, you're like uh, Hope Solo, U.S. soccer star, Jennifer Lawrence, Academy Award winning actress, um, Kate Upton, uh, Rihanna, Megan Good. I mean, the the list goes on and on. You, some uh, Jenny McCarthy, some of them at some point you're like, some of these celebrities have to have said, why aren't I on this list? Why has anybody hacked my phone? Put them out quick and mm-hmm. get mine out. Mm-hmm. But I am dumbfounded by how many people are taking nude photos of themselves. And I don't know how many young people we have listening to us right now. But I I mean, when I say young, there's been some transition in the past 10 years, I would say. And I was hanging out with some buddies last night, having beers, talking about this. And, I, and one of them still single. And I said, is this a... Does this make these celebrities are they are they exhibitionists? Do they want to be in pornography, or are they normal? And without hesitation, my buddy who still exists in the single world said, "Normal." Like this is just what what single people do. This is what single people do. That's frightening, and I am dumbfounded by that. Yeah, like this is part of the courtship process. What I don't understand because you would think I, I'm of two minds on this. One mind is if you're a celebrity. You're probably pretty narcissistic. You're used to people telling you how great looking you are. You want to see if they're right. So you take some naked pictures of yourself and you say, wow, I really am good looking. I'm going to keep these and I'm going to send these to boyfriends and lovers and friends maybe. And look how awesome I am. So maybe that explains it. But on the other hand, on the other hand, the other side of my brain says you're a celebrity. You're a public person. You of all people should have more to lose in terms of your brand and your image and protecting your business if these were to get out. So you would be ultra cautious about the kinds of photos you take and then store on your computer. Clearly, clearly it's going the other way, right? Clearly. Well, I am, if if in fact you're wrong, that it's not uh, um, celebrity narcissism, it may be narcissism. It may be po- uh, the population, general society's narcissism, but if it's that narcissism and technology have finally caught up with it, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and mm-hmm. and if this is normal, I need that explained to me. If for whatever reason I ended up back in the dating pool, whatever reason, this would be something I'd have to do. I'd no, have to adopt. This is not the problem. You're not going to end up back in the dating pool. The problem you're going to face is with your kids. Oh yes. I need this explained to me. Eight 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 nine hundred three three nine three. Let's take a quick break. Explain to me. The new normal. I'm going to finish my Cup. breakfast. Will Kane and Desi Cup. We'll continue in a moment on the Blaze Radio Network. Next generation of talk radio, Kane and Cup is on. We got a vote for president, Stephen in Pennsylvania. 
Who do you want, Stephen? Hello? Yep. Who do you Hello. want in 2016, Stephen? Yeah, I, I'm from Wisconsin. I voted for Paul Ryan. I loved him. I mean, I absolutely thought he was the best guy in the world. But I am such a, I am so against this amnesty. And I really believe he's for Common Core, too. He's never come out and said. And he will never get my vote again just for that. And, I, I mean, he was the best. There's nobody better than him at, at one point. I would have voted for him for president. But he lost you. So who do you like now? What's that? Who, who do you like now? Oh, I, love, I love Ted Cruz because of the stand he took over the budget. I mean, he, he got vilified by everybody. And uh, if, if the Republicans had stood with him, I think there could have been a different result. But just he takes a stand, and that's what we need in our Republican Party. Well, Stephen, thanks for your call. Stephen is not alone. Ted Cruz is leading the unscientific scientific poll here at the Blaze with 5, 10, 20, 21, 21 votes so far. He's running away with it. He's running away with it, yeah. I left a question uh, before the break. I'm trying to wrap my mind around the new normal. Um, I'm trying to understand the celebrity nude hacking. Not the hacking part, but the availability part. I cannot believe there are so many pictures to farm from that there's so much available for the hackers to take. You name the celebrity, you can find dozens of photos of them online. And what I'm curious about, and one of my friends told me last night, this doesn't make them any, you know, exhibitionist or abnormal. In fact, it makes them normal. Tommy Lee Jones? <laughs> Thank you. No. I have not come across the Tommy Lee Jones photos yet. That's too bad. Um, so I'm going to do this. I I brought on somebody 25 years old. What? Now, yeah. Now, um, you can- Do we have a guest that I'm unaware of? Do you want to say your name? My name is Brian. Oh, you do? Oh. You're willing to say your name. Okay, Brian. Brian jumped yes, on. Yes, absolutely. All right, Brian. Now, that, the reason I'm making you, uh, I gave you the option of saying your name or not. I don't want any of this, you know, nice guy stuff you do sometime, Brian. I, I don't want you to soft pedal me down the middle of the, lo- the road here. Is sexting normal 25-year-old Brian, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. <gasps> have you sexted Brian? Yes, <laughs> I have. But as we were discussing in the hallway before the segment, uh, there are certain levels you can take that to. So, what? you know, we can get into more detail. Pictures? But, uh, have you received pictures? I have received. Have you yes. sent pictures? I have not. I have sent pictures but there are certain levels with that as well. He told me in the hallway, and this is what I wanted to get to. I don't know if I want to say it or I want him to say it. What kind of pictures have you sent, Brian? I've sent pictures that the typical uh, young male would want. <laughs> just to. Here we go. It's just soft pedaling. Well, this well, is the road. Well, I'm, I'm just to give you context. You know, Brian, think, say it. What? Pictures that I feel would impress Flexing. a young woman. Flexing. Oh. But, not, but not nude photos. I have not sent. Well, you so, didn't like, waist photos. up. Yeah, I mean, uh, you had a yeah. Shirt, you had a shirt on when you were flexing in those pictures. No, I've had I've had shirt off no. uh, photos as well, but not fully nude right, photos. Brian, I want you to show me the pose you strike in a selfie flex. Oh, that's going to work for radio. I, that's a great idea I'll for tra- radio. I'll translate it to those. Show me the pose. Show me the pose, Brian. Uh, maybe maybe a nice bicep. Oh, my uh, God. oh yeah, you no. got the guns out. I, I, I've, What's your ROI on this when you send when you send out a flexing picture? What's your return on this investment? Wait, wait, Does yeah. That is, work? There, is the market known? If I give X, I get Y. If I send uh, a shirtless flexing picture, I should get something in return. Yes. Uh, <laughs> look, typically, I, typically, t- typically, typically, I receive um, I receive positive feedback. <laughs> 
But uh, but uh, look. Wait. Again. So is this the new normal, Brian? If if I'm a 25 year old single person dating, yes. must I to participate in the in the dating world? Must I send nude photos at some point? No. So it's not a must, but it's no. it's it's popular. Brian, take will you take your shirt off? Oh, what? Will I take my right here? Right, right now? Don't do that, right Brian. Uh, I, I, I don't listen to Will Kane. Will Kane <laughs> wears undershirts to the office. I want to see what you're selling. Show me what you're selling, you Brian. See what I'm selling. Yeah. Um. Yeah, come on. Will, I want, come to, on. <laughs> I want to impress you and Essie, and right now I'm not in my peak shape yet to, <laughs> to show off for you guys. So, <laughs> All right, let's do this. A quick quick around the horn, Brian. Uh, the gentleman sitting next to you who can choose to say his name or not. Uh, first of all, do you want to say your name? No. I don't think he does, no. Okay, but, but, but without saying your name, uh, have... have What's he saying? He won't participate? For all intensive purposes, he's married. Got it. How? Yeah. Uh-huh. I want a quick poll around the office of this whole sending or not sending. Okay, good. The headphones uh, are going question, on. Please? Have you sent? No, I have not sent. Have you received? Uh, no comment. <laughs> That's a yes. That's a yes. That's 100%. The worst thing in the That's a yes. That's a yes. Uh, oh, oh, there's the music. Oh, time for there's us to go, There's huh? the music. The person who, who's responsible p- for playing the music just played the music. So apparently it's normal. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's like societal norms have changed, and I'm unprepared to keep up with it. I'm, it's unnecessary for me, too, as well. But No, that's frightening. But what, like, like you said, I my said, kids. Like, you're going to have to worry about your kids. I'll have to worry about my kids. This is like the new, the new normal of technology. Hmm. That is frightening. Everybody's starring in their own little reality show. Speaking of, when we come back... I promised you both a politician and a reality star will join us. That's coming up on King Cup. You're listening to Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Will Kane, S.E. Cup, R. Kane and Cup, only on the Blaze Radio Network. You might not know this about Will Kane. He is a big Bravo fan. <laughs> you watch a lot of Bravo, don't you? You know, I, I love to reveal my own flaws and insecurities. This is not a flaw or insecurity. <laughs> Join the masses. It Real is, men watch Bravo. Yeah, yeah. if you have testosterone running through your system, it largely is considered a shameful thing no, to admit. No, you watch it. I, the point is, I am willing to share yeah. with you people all of my flaws. But the truth is... Uh, I'm out on Bravo. I used to watch Bravo. Mm. I used to take down a Real Housewives of Orange County yeah. or New York every yeah. once in a while. Yeah, you were into that. But I haven't in, in quite some time. So you haven't seen Southern Charm? Never saw Southern Charm. Southern Charm was a reality show last season. There's a new season coming out. It's based in Charleston. It follows a group of uh, youngish, youngish, moneyed Charlestonians. And the, the the colorful lives that they lead. All right. I watched it. Loved it. Loved it. Can't wait for the next season. One of the cast members is a guy named Thomas Ravenel. 
Big name in Charleston, son of a former congressman. He was a South Carolina treasurer from January 2007 to July 2007. Let me say that again. He was treasurer from January 2007 to July 2007. We'll get into why it was such a short turn. But the reason I'm having him on now is because um, he's running for Senate in South Carolina as an independent. He's running against Lindsey Graham. And Brad Hudo, Hudo, I'm not sure how it's Hudo, I think, um, is the Democrat running in South Carolina. He's running for Senate. And he's got an ad out this week that people were talking about. It was bizarre. Uh, Rather than uh, me explain it, I'm just going to have Thomas on to explain this ad. People thought it was really weird. Thomas, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much, Elsie, for having me on. I, I know you're you're at an event now, so I appreciate you taking some time away to to chat with us. I, explain this ad. Uh, you're you've got a bunch of people giving the thumbs up and talking about why why you're great, and they're in slow motion. Explain what happens in this ad. Well, it's it's sort of ironic the ad in that people are doing a thumbs up. They're um, ignorant to the fact that the government does not have their back, that the back is constantly selling them down the river. They're constantly getting a shaft to taxpayers, to consumers, with all these deals that the politicians are cutting. They're cutting the checks, they're cutting the deals. Yeah. Yeah, whether it be the farm bill or the military-industrial complex. Uh, Before I entered the race, the voters really didn't have a choice. It was a choice between this warfare state or this welfare state. Um, government-run monopolies driven by the unions or on the right. It's, you know, um, tariffs and, and, and mercantilism and deals that give huge companies license to pick the pockets of their fellow Americans. And, yeah, a lot of these politicians are just bought and paid for by yeah. special interests. Take, take the immigration bill, for example. Well, they can resolve it. Because on the left, the unions don't want a robust worker visa program whereby we document and permit Mm -hmm. these workers so they can come and go. Uh, But, you know, and I would support that. The men was for that, but they can't vote, no welfare benefit. Uh And on the higher end, um, the HB1 visas, the PhDs, you know, the best and the brightest in the world, you know, they're getting degrees in STEM fields, science, technology, engineering. Nah, Bill Gates has a study that says each one of these people would create five jobs. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> they need to lift the, the cap on that from 70000 to reflect the demand and the benefits. So you're, you're the but, sort but of... The problem is, so, so what's going on is you've got the Chamber of Commerce negotiating with the unions. They're the puppeteers, and then they're going to tell their bought-and-paid-for politicians how to vote on it. So the politicians have turned it over to the real you know, power structure, yeah. which are the people... That are paying, they're not paying them. Right, all. but but Thomas, I I don't think any of that was really communicated well in this ad. Why? I mean, why did people find this ad so weird? And do do you see why it it might not have it might not have worked? Well, I think there are, people are playing into the narrative driven in Washington by the Graham camp. I mean, the media is, is totally in the tank for Graham. Well, I'm not in the and, tank for Graham though, and I thought uh-huh. I thought the ad was bizarre. Yeah, well, we want to be a little unconventional, and it is a little ironic. Mm. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback. Oh, good. It's creating a stir. People are talking about it. Yes, I mean, we are. The government overreach with yeah. the popcorn. It just 
continues to get more and more play because it's not one of these cookie-cutter um, ads that people are so yeah. tired of seeing from the two parties, which are uh, become increasingly indistinguishable. Well, what I love so we about something different. Yeah. Well, what I love about you, Thomas, and and all I know of you is from watching Southern Charm. What I love about you is that you're a real person who's made some mistakes, and you're very open about those mistakes. Take a listen to this clip from Southern Charm. In 2007, I was indicted for conspiracy to distribute drugs under 100 grams of cocaine. I served six months in a federal prison, and as a part of the plea agreement, I had to resign from office. You know where the first time I played this game was? In prison. Shut up. I swear to God. Bocce ball? They had a bocce court. They had basketball. We played football. I was on the softball team. I had my own softball team. I put together a team. During your leadership in prison. Yeah, I did. I mean, I love this, Thomas. And over the course of the season, we see you, as you say, get heavily into the cups. There was some drinking in this season. We we saw you got your girlfriend pregnant. Um, I'm wondering if you had thought about running for office before you signed up to do this reality show or if you sort of just went for the reality show, thought this is going to be fine, and then and then decided I'm going to run for office. Yeah. I knew that I was always going to throw my hat back into the ring. I never stopped studying the issues. I yeah. mean, if you hear me on the stump, you know, I've got a, a, a breadth and depth knowledge of the issues, and I have a plan to get our country back on course, and it's going to take – you know, reducing the size of the federal government and getting back to the original intent of the Constitution and having a federal government of delegated, enumerated, and thus limited powers and, and uh, reinstating the Tenth Amendment. Hey, Thomas, I'm sorry. This is uh, Will Cain. Uh, I'm just curious. I've been listening to you. How would you describe your politics? Are you a libertarian? Conservative? Well, what would you I, say? I'm a liberal. I'm You're, a classical liberal. The word liberal has been hijacked liberal, yeah. by people with a far different agenda. But classical yeah. liberal is basically a libertarian. Right, and as some would charge, we're not against government per se. We want limited government. Yeah, government good government. Strong enough to secure our rights, but not so strong as to destroy our. To, this morning we've been talking them. about. This morning we've been talking about politicians and their ability to reveal themselves to people. Their, their, you know, their mm-hmm. character, who they are. Uh, we talked about the documentary on Mitt Romney revealing so much of who he is that would have been beneficial to know ahead of time to actually show right. who he is. Well, as to Essie's point, you showed a lot of yourself. Through this reality show, to the extent that it is reality, and I'd actually be interested in your opinion on that, when that is a real okay. reflection of you. Um, are you seeing that as a and, – and, and, and honestly, Thomas, is that a, has that been something holding you back and hurting you, the, well, this reality show, I, or has it, it helped it, you? It's accurate in that it shows both sides of the coin, but it actually depicts me in the weakest part of my life, in my personal life, in my personal relationships. It has been the Achilles heel. But it doesn't show where I'm strong. You know, what do you mean? What, why has it been Achilles heel? Because people bring up the drugs and the pregnancy and that stuff? Yeah, it's been in my personal life. But, you know, I'm right on the issues. Yeah. Mm-mm. And I've been a good businessman. And as Meatloaf said in a song in the 70s, two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm working on the third. I'm working on three out of three. But I think I'm right on the issues. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting business. You know, I did 70 shopping centers in 10 states. Had to borrow money on each and every one of those projects. I've never missed a payment, ever. Mm-hmm. Never had a real estate workout like Donald Trump. I've never had a bankruptcy or a judgment 
Mm-hmm. And I did a lot of repeat business. People don't do repeat business with people they do not trust. So in business, it's all about honesty, integrity. And when you get into politics, you know, I got into politics late because I was in business out of career. And everything you learn in business, you want to forget when you get into politics. It's not about honesty and integrity. It's all about self-promotion and, and trying to promote yourself for the next right. office. Mm. Right. And so once I got into politics, you know, for example, the prosecutor told me, so, Thomas, look, the next time this happens to you, because in fact, he said, I'm going to impersonate you. I'm Thomas Ravenel. You're the prosecutor. This is the U.S. attorney, Mike Moore. Mm-hmm. He said, ask me a question, any question. Here's the response that you are to give. I'm not answering the question, <laughs> whatever it is. He said, had you given that answer, nothing would have happened to you. I'm the only person to Wait a minute, wait a minute. Answer. This is in your trial for uh, cocaine uh, uh, sale after or distribution? All said and done. This is after it's all said and done. Okay. Yeah, he said you, you shouldn't have answered my questions. <laughs> yeah, I, but I'm so honest. And in fact, I'm just an open book. I just tell everybody the Very truth. candid, and yeah. And, and that worked to my advantage in business. Now, in politics, hmm. you don't want to tell the truth. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to say anything. You want to minimize. Mm-hmm. But I think the show, you know, it had a negative aspect in that it focused on my personal life, not me in the boardroom where I'm very strong. But one aspect I think was positive was that it did humanize me. It showed me, my transparency and my honesty. And and your personality, I, Thomas. So many of these uh, guys running, you have, you have no sense of who they actually are because they're just cardboard cutouts of of a, a candidate that a team of people have put together. So I like right. seeing your personality. And and frankly, yeah. uh, you know, you might be strong on the issues, but I think your personality is actually a, a plus as well. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. You know, I'm not much of a Bravo watcher or even a TV watcher. Somebody was talking about the, the masses. Uh, or, I, you know, even when I'm watching my own show, I'm watching it on DVR and I'm scanning yeah. this Craig, this chef, scan, scan, this. <laughs> You know, yeah. camera scan, scan. Okay, here's me and JD talking. You know, then I'll pause, play. Okay, I'll watch this. Play. Are you going to do a second season of Southern Charm if you don't win? If you don't win this race, are you going to do another well, season? We're doing. We're in, under filming right now for a second season. They're filming I your campaign. Do it. Yeah, they're covering a parts of the campaign, um, but I did not want to do it. But, yeah, I'll uh, be honest, Thomas, advisor, it makes me ask the question of whether or not you really want to win or if it's part of the show. I didn't know that well, until you just mentioned it, but now I have to ask that question. Well, the point is I did not want to do it, but somebody said, Thomas, are you crazy? You're able to now get your platform out to a wider audience. Well, when does it you start know, airing, though? We're in Canada. It's going to air after uh, the race. They say in February, but last year they said October and then come out until March, so you never know. But we're doing 12 episodes versus eight. Oh, and so it's a stressful time. We've got the show, the campaign. I've got a young baby, and so there's a lot going on in my. Who, life. by the way, I've seen pictures of. She is gorgeous. Yeah, she is. Oh my god! Hey, Tom, I'm, I'm extremely curious. What does a reality show pay for a cast member? Well, they keep saying, you know, first they said the um, second year is when you really get paid. So the first year I got twenty five hundred per episode. Now it's five thousand. Now they're saying it's the third episode. Third year that you really get paid and get some <laughs> real money, so probably next year it'll be no, no, no. It's the fourth year. Nice. They pay, they double my pay, five thousand per episode. And you're doing twelve. So last year, last year I actually lost money because I, you know I did a, a number of events that they would not reimburse me for. So once I started figuring out what I was paying out versus what was I was bringing in, I actually lost money on it. Huh. 
Well, we appreciate you jumping on with us today, Thomas. You've been really candid. We appreciate that. I'm sure you're having to be candid with people out there on the trail as well regarding, as you said, some of the things that are shown in the show about your personal life. Um, Appreciate you being candid with us today. Yeah, I'm excited to see the rest of the show, and um, good luck at the campaign, Thomas. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Okay, take care. Well, that was fascinating on a number of levels. I mean, I always like a behind-the-scenes and reality show, and... um, uh, you know, that's a, a, a really fun reality show. Maybe you should give it a try this upcoming season. Maybe I'll give it a try. And we should be doing reality. I just did some simple math. I think I got it right. $5,000 an episode. He's doing 12 this season. That's $20,000. That's $60,000. I mean, $60,000. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Josh. <laughs> hey, I got to tell you something. Essie's husband is sitting in the other room. I looked at it and he's slapping his knee because you could feel Essie walking the plank out there. Like, okay, okay, get it right, get it right. And then five five times four is 20 and it's times 12 is right. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. On that note, let's take a break on Kane and (laughs) Cup. This is Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Kane and Cup returns now. This has been a whirlwind of a show in which we have put our science and math skills <laughs> front and center. Done a, a non scientific scientific poll of who our listeners want to be president, and I just did on the spot incorrect math. <laughs> All right, that's the difficult thing for people to do. On the spot, incorrect it's math. It's not difficult for me. I do it all the time. <laughs> incorrect math. Um, I want to talk about, I don't know if you heard the big news. The big news is Chelsea Clinton had her baby. Wow. It's a girl. Mm-hmm. What's uh, her name? Charlotte. Seriously? Yes. Oh. You, I'm, I'm thinking of only groundhogs these days when I think yes. of Charlotte. Shares that name with the groundhog. Her name is Charlotte. They're all very excited, of course. I came across this, uh, this story this week, though. You know, it's been the Clinton Global Initiative this whole week. Mm-hmm. CGI. <laughs> which apparently seems only to exist to discuss the important issues of how awesome are the Clintons. Because that's all I see. I mean, they're just interviewed by every news organization on the stage at CGI talking about themselves. Well, one interview that Bill Clinton did with Entertainment Tonight. Mm. important goings-on over at CGI. He said that he was so excited about the arrival of his first grandchild. Quote, sometimes I feel like I'm in labor myself. (laughs) How (laughs) bizarre (laughs) is that statement? Uh, Very. Oh, my God. I, I mean, you're a proud dad. Get that. You're anticipating feverishly the, you know, the, the delivery of this, of this grandchild. You feel like you're in labor yourself? What? Do you take offense at that? I don't take offense. I think it's bizarre. I mean, this is Bill Clinton, I feel your pain, on steroids. Right. That's what that, that's right. On steroids. And it almost, you know, Bill Clinton is so good at connecting with people and, and looking authentic. This almost shows a crack. 
This is almost like Way is trying a little too hard there. Oh, I always feel that way when I listen to Clinton. I've always, I can't, I'm not trying to say, I've always, I, I was country before country was cool. Yeah. I always saw the cracks. It always seems too slick and fake. Really? But I wondered if this offended you on another level. Yesterday, you and I were talking, and I was like, how much longer do you have uh-huh. on your pregnancy? Like, what's your due date? Yeah. And you told me, I'm like, oh, wow. I mean, it's almost here. And you're like, no, it's not almost here. You know, here. you and my husband are in the same boat, men. I say, I have two months left. You say, oh, wow, that's nothing. My husband says the same thing. We're almost there. No, it's every single hour of every day is the longest hour of my life. And the last two months are only going to be longer. This has gone in a flash. And harder. <laughs> That's another thing my husband said. This has gone by so so quickly. For you. For you. Not for me. For me, every minute has felt like a year. <laughs> I'm so glad, y'all, that you know this has felt fast for you and we're almost there. Maybe you're almost there. I am not almost there. <laughs> the next two months are going to be agony. Agony. I'm uncomfortable. I'm tired. I'm big. What's been the worst part physically? Having to talk to people about being pregnant. <laughs> you know me. I don't like people. Right now. This moment <laughs> is the worst of the entire pregnancy. No, what I, nev- I, what I never understood is uh, John and I were walking down the street in our neighborhood the other week just to get coffee or whatever um, or breakfast and... A woman walked by me, saw I was pregnant, and did one of these, like, sympathetic head tilt smiles. And I was like, that is so weird. Why are people so interested, invested in someone, a stranger's pregnancy? That's not the worst. The worst is when people are like, so how far are you? Do you know what it's going to be yet? I'm guessing there are other things that are the worst. Well, for someone who doesn't like dealing with people, that's... (laughs) That's terrible because everyone feels like they have permission to talk to me about my baby because they can see physical evidence of it emerging from my middle. (laughs) We have calls and issues and polls and presidential picks. Science and math. We have to get to when we come back on Cane and Co. This is Kane and Cup, part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Kane and SE Cup return. And give us an update on our running tally, SE. Um, we know Ted Cruz is running away with it. Who I have does our edition. audience want for the 2016 Republican nominee for president? We'll I have another edition. Herman Kane has made the list. Okay. Why does that elicit laughter? Just because Herman Kane tweeted me that Herman Kane should be on the list? No, seriously? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but someone did um, suggest Herman Kane. We've got a lot more for Ben Carson. People like Ben Carson, is and it, Ted, Cruz is, Ted Cruz is still running away with it. Ben Carson take over second place from Rand Paul? Who's in um, second? Give me no, second Rand place. Paul is in second. 
Ted Cruz is in first. Rand Paul is in second. Ben Carson is in third. We had one vote for Perry, so he is off the uh, the zero list. But still, I'm counting 15 people. 15. Granted, I'm not good at math. <laughs> but I count 15 people on this no, list. No, I didn't think about that. We have the wrong person in charge of this. Yeah. Dave Science. in Delaware, you have a name for us on who the Republican presidential nominee should be? Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody's thought of this uh, guy is uh, Chris Coons. Is a Democrat. Yeah. So what do you mean? Um well, I I think he was he would uh, be a selection for Obama to put into DOJ. I mean, it, it could possibly happen because uh, they call him uh, uh, Biden's um, Joe Biden's um, mascot. So you're talking about okay. to replace so Holder, Attorney General, thing. not for the Republican presidential candidate, which would make more sense. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense. Thanks, okay, thanks, Dave. You said he's a Democrat, and Dave goes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Love that at yeah. first. Okay. Uh, I, have some, I have some news from gun control land. Okay. Do you want news out of gun control land? Do you Give care? Give it to me. Give it to me. We got we to gotta keep an eye on gun control land. Okay. Here's out of gun control land. Bloomberg's group, Mike Bloomberg, has this um, gun control group called Every Town. Mm-hmm. Every Town for Gun Safety. Don't be fooled by the name. They are not for gun safety. Every time for gun safety has decided now would be an awesome time, like the perfect time, to release their list of endorsements. And on it is like every imperiled Democrat in a red state running for Congress. Not helpful. I almost, I can almost hear Kay Hagan and Mary Landrew and Mark Udall and Bruce Braley saying, um, thanks, but no thanks. No, thanks. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm all set. I'm all set. Keep that to yourself. Thanks. <laughs> I mean, I don't think a one of them has released a press statement. Um, touting their endorsement. Touting their endorsement from every town for gun safety at this point. I mean, these are Democrats who are basically running as Republicans Mark, because they have to. Mark Udall in Colorado. Yeah. Mary Lindro in Louisiana. Louisiana. Yeah, this can't help. Hagan in North Carolina, Bruce Braley in Iowa. I mean, these are these are Democrats who have had to run away from President Obama and every liberal piety from like anti-coal to anti-gun to pro-Obamacare. They've had to run away from every single liberal piety just to survive. And let me tell you, these are all close races, which is not good news for Democrats. It's a down year. It's an off year. That's better news for Republicans anyway. And for these incumbents, they should be well up in the polls just by virtue of the fact that they are incumbents. So that these races are close at all. Let's have Mike Bloomberg put the final nail in the coffin and link them to gun control. Great idea. Great idea. Specifically in <laughs> Colorado. That, I can't believe in the meeting to talk about the endorsements someone and say, hey, you know, we just got we just got spanked in Colorado. You think Mark Udall really wants this endorsement right now? We just had two recalls of politicians, Democrat politicians in Colorado because of bad gun laws. And and just uh, two months ago, maybe Colorado Governor Hickenlooper had to come out and apologize for passing 
unworkable gun legislation. He apologized to sheriffs, held a press conference to apologize to sheriffs for passing unworkable gun legislation that then had to be overturned because he said he never read it and never thought it would pass. His words. Didn't read it. Didn't ever think it would pass. I apologize. That's um, that's Colorado. That's what's happening in Colorado right now. Mm-hmm. And Bloomberg think, let's endorse Mark Udall. This will be great. This will be great for us and him. Once again, uh, these these gun control groups, whether it's Every Town or their previous incarnation, um, Mayors Against Illegal Guns, which collapsed and had to be renamed Every Town, are so politically tone deaf. Um, they'll never understand the politics of gun control because they'll never understand the politics of this country. The politics of this country is pro-Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Period. Period. They'll never understand. Well, they'll point to statistics or polls to suggest people want background, background checks. checks. It's a, but you can hype, but you still have to deal in reality, and they don't deal in reality. They don't deal in the reality that this country is overwhelmingly in favor of keeping the Second Amendment intact mm-hmm. they talk as if everyone in the country is with them no they talk as if you're not addressing the argument they would say this no one is talking about repealing the second amendment but they are no one's talking about taking away your guns but they are we're only talking about sensible gun control laws. but they're not but they're not sensible gun control laws like banning guns from target which by the way they considered a huge a huge victory target is not enforcing this and do you know how many lives it will save banning guns in Target? Precisely, exactly, zero. Zero. Because it was already illegal to shoot someone in Target. <laughs> that was already illegal. You can't do that. You're saving no lives by creating an imaginary line of demarcation between the parking lot and the inside of Target. If a criminal wants to come in and use his gun in Target, he's going to do it whether that imaginary line exists or not. Right. But for every town, this is a huge victory. We ban guns in in Target. Good for us. Good for them. Everyone's a winner. No one's a winner. The guy who decided he wants to kill people, break that law, will somehow be thwarted by the fact that he's not allowed to take his gun into Target. Right. I was going to go in there and kill all these people. Except Except I might get caught taking a gun into Target. Target doesn't allow for that. Target doesn't allow me to take my gun in, so I'm going to, instead, I'm going to shoot up Sam's Club. It doesn't make any sense, Mm -hmm. but they don't care about actually solving gun crime. They care about these PR victories. And I bet you they think this list of endorsements of candidates, because they set out to do this, right? They wanted to compete with the NRA's grading of candidates. Mm -hmm. I bet they think this is this is great. We've just we've just beat the NRA at their own game. We've spotlighted the candidates that we want everyone to vote for. You just maybe Signed their death certificates. <laughs> Do you think so? You know, here's the here's the thing. Do you what, think those states right there are all going to no. go red? Uh, oh, yeah, I do. Not because of this. Here's the thing. And this is another thing that Bloomberg and Everytown doesn't understand. For people like us, gun rights could be a single-issue vote issue. Mm-hmm. I might go to the polls based on the fact that someone else is with me on gun issues and the other person is against me. On the left, that passion is all rhetorical. Mm -hmm. It doesn't translate into politics. On the left, if you are for gun control, that does not drive you to the polls. Interesting 
tie into the overall conversation we've been having throughout the show on who you want for your 2016 Republican presidential candidate. The person who exists on number three on that list, getting one of the most votes, is Ben Carson. You were telling me earlier, Ben Carson, not necessarily so pro-Second Amendment. Ben Carson had a really unfortunate moment. I, I remember it. He was being interviewed with Glenn Beck. And when this happened, I tweeted it like almost immediately. I might have even written about it because I was so surprised. Glenn asked him, you know, it's going down a litany of, of issues. Where do you stand on X? Where do you stand on X? And he said, where do you stand on, on guns? Should, should I be able to own, you know, basically whatever kind of gun I want? And Ben Carson said something to the effect of, depends on where you live. And Glenn said, what do you mean? And he said, well, if you live in a big city, I don't know that it's smart for you to have like an assault weapon. And I just thought, wow, that's really tone deaf, really, I think, kind of ignorant on the issues of gun control and gun rights. And I think uh, telegraphs that he thinks he's in a position to determine whether whether or not you should own a gun based on where you live. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. Uh in our last segment, we'll bring you the final results of our poll on who the Republican presidential nominee should be among, according to Blaze listeners. Science. And Chris Salcedo is coming up right at the top of the hour. We'll be back in just a moment on Kane and Cup. This is Kane and Cup on the Blaze Radio Network. Do I have a right to own a semi-automatic weapon? Uh, it depends on, on, on where you live, I think. I think if you live in the midst of uh, a lot of people, um, and I'm afraid that that semi-automatic weapon is going to fall into the hands of a crazy person, I would rather you not have it. If you live out in the country somewhere by yourself, I have no problem. Wrong uh, answer. Wrong answer on a number of levels. Right. You would rather I not have it? You don't have that right. Sorry. Yeah, the question was, do I have a right to a semi-automatic weapon? Yeah, and he'd rather you didn't. Also, crazy people are also in the country. That was Not just in cities. That was Dr. Ben Carson talking to Glenn Beck about his views on gun control. We've been taking an informal poll throughout yeah. the show on who Blaze audience And he's gotten a number of votes. Yeah, he's coming in third place right now. I like I think, Ben right? Carson on a lot of things. Oh, I did too. That's a deal breaker for me because, like I was saying in our previous segment— for me, where you stand on guns is a single issue for me. That motivates me. So I can like you on just about everything else. If I'm not with you on that, that's it. We're, we're breaking up. So I, I don't know if other people feel that way about Ben Carson, but that's for You me. know, I told you this earlier. I think what Ben Carson is doing is falling into the trap that a lot of smart people do when it comes to gun control. They think they can technocratically figure their way out, engineer it to just the right proportion of yeah. gun ownership. I think that's Michael Bloomberg's issue. I think Michael Bloomberg is actually a really smart guy, and because of that, he unfortunately hasn't really developed that really essential human trait of humility. So he can organize it. He can tell you how much he soda can you solve should it. have. Yeah, that's right. Give me a little time, money, and the right resources behind me and people at my beck and call. I can eradicate violence through gun control. I can eradicate obesity through soda consumption. Um, it's this technocratic impulse that many smart people have. They don't know when to give, let go. They don't know when to say, I don't know is the better answer here. Right. Right. 
And maybe this is a problem I can't solve with laws. So, look, if Ben Ben Carson wants to clarify his position on guns, I'll listen. I'll listen. But that was not good to hear. The the runaway favorite on our unofficial scientific, unscientific poll is Ted Cruz. And you and I were talking about what might be his campaign song. <laughs> um, we were th- we were singing. I was singing. Ooh, baby, I'm a song. You make me want to turn my windows down and cruise. Like, how could this not be his song? <laughs> I think we're just going to move on. How could that not be his song? Talk fast. Maybe I won't I won't comment on that. You can comment. You can comment. Um, I mean, that song is popular. It's now. It feels like tailor-made for Ted, Ted Cruz. Cruz. I don't think he'll use it. Cruz. But also, there's the Smokey song, Smokey Robinson, Cruisin'. I don't know how that goes. I'm really not baiting you. I don't know how that goes. Baby, let's cruise. So hey, I don't All know right. that song. I don't know that song. I think uh, interestingly, there's a lesson to learn in the Ben Carson audio that also oh. uh, for pe- we're Ted- done with that. No, Are we done for with Ted- that for Ted Cruz as well. Oh. <laughs> we're done with you singing. Are you asking me if I'm pivoting it away from? I wanted to figure out Ted Cruz's campaign song. I think that uh, Florida Georgia Line Cruz song probably has too much um, Daisy Duke dancing in the video for it to be uh, come his. You don't think he's emblematic? Hip? He's flagship. not cool. I think that opens you up wide to war on women, misogynistic, treating them like objects. Ted Cruz is treating objects You're like they're like women, man. You're thinking like a liberal man. I think he could get away with it. I, I think that song is perfect for him. Plus, I know, aren't Florida, Georgia Line, they're pretty Christian. I imagine they're conservative. The problem would be, would they let him? I'm telling you something. I know I'm pivoting away from the, the campaign song. Ugh. There are things to learn about all of these guys, Ted Cruz included. He's the runaway favorite. But the, kind of where we started this show. On, our, on about, this poll. On this poll. Right. Um, just like we started talking about Mitt Romney at the beginning of the hour, you have a lot to learn about the personality and character of these men. We learned something about Mitt Romney. I've met Paul Ryan. Ben Carson, the more you get to know him, it's not necessarily on his character, but his views, you learn more. And yeah. I, I'm telling you something, Ted Cruz is still new. There's a lot to learn. People will learn more about Ted Cruz, his personality and who he is. I'm not saying it's a positive or a negative. It's just really early. and It is. It's fascinating what you have yet to learn about them. No, I think that's a good reminder. And again, I would just like to point out, my point in doing this unscientific scientific poll was to say, we, we like to talk about our Big Ten, and that's it's great. A good spin on this is that we have a Big Ten. We've got no clear front runner because our, our bench is deep. We've not anointed anyone, unlike the Democrats. We've got no in- inevitability here, unlike the Democrats. That's positive spin. The problem is I've got 15 different answers just from one group of one kind of conservatives, yeah. Lay's subscribers. Yeah. You go to Fox. You go to Reason. You go to Libertarian Land. You go to the middle of the country. You go to cities. I mean, you're going to get even more uh, you know, different answers. And I don't know that Ted Cruz leads that poll. So it's going to come time pretty soon for conservatives to coalesce around someone. And I'm wondering, you know who else is not on that list? Oh my God, I just realized Chris Christie. Chris Christie, that's right. Holy cow, Chris Christie. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us this morning on Saturday morning on Kane and Cup. Chris Salcedo is up next. You're listening to Kane and Cup. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network.